the seven covenants of the Bible. We'll close with this for tonight and continue with more next week. The seven covenants of the Bible. Number one, the Adamic covenant. The Adamic covenant, which is the very first covenant God made with Adam and Eve or humankind in the Garden of Eden. And he made that covenant with Adam and Eve or humankind in the Garden of Eden when he created them. But it was then broken through sin. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God commanded them not to eat. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, and chapter 2, verse 7. Now, I just want to quickly explain Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, because we see something very interesting here. If you read that verse, you notice that it says, God created or made the man, Adam, out of the dust of the ground. Now, if you study the creation story up until that moment, the Bible reveals that whatever God created, he created with the words of his mouth. It says, then God said, let there be, and it was. Then God said, let there be, and it was. Then God said, let there be, and it was. Amen? Can you give me an amen? amen. But then when we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where God is creating the man or Adam out of the dust of the ground, it does not say that God speaks him into existence with the word of his mouth, does it? It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. People of God, that's covenant right there. Can you see it? That's covenant right there. Why? Two reasons. The first reason is when God is forming the man or Adam of the dust of the ground, we see the name or title, the Lord God. Now, the name or title, the Lord God, is the name or title of God, which represents covenant, relationship, intimacy, fellowship, communion. It's the Hebrew word Adonai, Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I. So this in itself tells us when God formed or created the man or Adam of the dust of the ground, he created him, he created us for covenant, relationship, intimacy, fellowship, and communion with us. And then it says that he formed man of the dust of the ground. As I said earlier, God didn't speak humankind into being. He formed the man or Adam out of the dust of the ground. Now, by saying that, we can safely assume God formed the man or humankind with his bare hands rather than with his words. Well, how else would he have done it if it wasn't with his words? His bare hands. Which means what? God got his hands dirty to create us. And God is continually getting his hands dirty to be with us. Always getting in to our hopeless, helpless, destructive situations and getting us out of them. Sending his son Jesus who became one of us and who took on the very sin and filth of humankind to save us and deliver us from it. God is constantly getting his hands dirty to be with us. Why? Because he loves us so much he doesn't care. He wants to get his hands dirty. 
to be with us. When I say that, I'm not suggesting human beings are dirty or we're dirty in God's eyes or anything like that. It's an analogy I'm using. It's like when a mother or father picks up their baby son or daughter, they pick them up and he or she dribbles or vomits all over them. They don't care. They hold them closer. They don't care because it's their son, their daughter. See, God feels the same about us because he's our heavenly father. That's what covenant is. And then it says, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Then God breathed the Holy Spirit into Adam and he comes alive. But then Adam and Eve were born again backwards. I said they were born again backwards. They went from life to death. We go from death to life. Amen. Number two, the Noahic covenant. After Adam and Eve sinned, God begins re-establishing the covenant with humankind. After God destroyed the world through a flood because of sin, he re-establishes his covenant with humankind by sparing Noah and his family and makes a promise or a covenant to never destroy humankind with a flood in this manner again. That's in Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Also, it was through Noah the line of the Messiah came. That's what the other reason, actually the main reason, God spared Noah and his family. Because it says, Noah was righteous before God. Right? Noah walked with God and was considered righteous by God. So his bloodline was pure. And so God chose Noah and his family to be the line through which the Messiah would come. Number three, the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. So God makes a covenant with Abraham to multiply his seed in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 27. And the sign of which was circumcision. Now, people of God, and I want you to think of this in a pure manner, all right? It's amazing whether you believe this or not. Circumcision is a prophetic type of the suffering and death of Christ. That's why it was prophetic. It's prophetic. Why in that particular area of a man's body? Because it was called the fountain of life. Jesus is the fountain of life, right? And the foreskin had to be cut and blood was shed for that covenant. Jesus' flesh was cut and his blood was shed to seal or ratify and activate the new covenant. It's all prophetic. Every little thing in the word is prophetic of Christ and means something specific. There are no vain details in the word. And it was through this covenant God promised to birth the nation of Israel and send Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the seed of Abraham through his bloodline. And that's confirmed in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 29. The fourth covenant is the Israelic covenant. The Israelic covenant. So God made a covenant with Moses and the Israelites at Mount Sinai, which was signified by the Ten Commandments and the Book of Covenant which is a moral code God commanded them to obey. So don't forget, there wasn't just Ten Commandments. There was the Book of the Covenant. right? So the Book of the Covenant contained hundreds of rules and regulations and laws God commanded his people to follow. This covenant was a fulfillment and extension of the Abrahamic covenant to birth the nation of Israel through Abraham and to include all of Israel. So notice... 
Each covenant is becoming more and more inclusive. God is constantly enlarging the boundaries of this covenant to include more people. First Adam and Eve, then Noah and his family, and then Abraham and his family, and now all of Israel. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, and Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, and chapter 21, verse 1 to verse 23. The fifth Old Testament covenant is the Davidic covenant. So when David became king of Israel, God modified his covenant with the people of Israel again to specifically include David and his descendants. So his promise was that David and his descendants would always be king of Israel. And this promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the king of kings and a descendant of David, who is not only the king of Israel, but the king of all forever. The sixth covenant now is the new covenant. All right, so now we've moved out of the old covenant into the new. The sixth covenant is the new covenant. So the new covenant is the culmination and fulfillment of all the Old Testament covenants in the person of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, and provides salvation, the forgiveness and cleansing of sin, deliverance from eternal hell, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and every promised benefit and blessing of the word and kingdom of God. Now, while the Old Testament covenants only included the Israelites, the new covenant in Christ extends God's grace to everyone, to all people. So notice that by the time we get to Jesus, now this covenant has been enlarged to everyone or becomes inclusive of everyone, not just Israel. Isn't that amazing? I said, isn't that amazing? Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, Mark chapter 14, verse 24, Luke chapter 20, verse 22, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, and Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. So each of these scripture references refer to the new covenant. And the seventh and final covenant is the everlasting covenant, which is actually the new covenant. It's not a separate covenant. It's the new covenant, but an aspect of the new covenant. So the word of God in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, refers to the new covenant as the everlasting covenant in association with the blood of Christ. In other words, the new covenant is the final covenant. It's perfect, cannot be broken, and does not need to be reestablished or modified anymore. Therefore, it's the everlasting covenant and carries us through into eternity as long as we stick with it. As long as we don't walk in sin or turn from God. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3 to 5. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8 to 9. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40 to 41, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 60, and Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 26. All these scripture references refer to the everlasting covenant. So the new everlasting covenant was referred to by the prophets in the Old Testament. So God was already speaking of or prophesying the new everlasting covenant all the way back in the Old Testament. So there it is, one last time. Number one, the Adamic covenant, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, and chapter 2, verse 7. 
Number two, the Noahic covenant, Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Number three, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to verse 27, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 29. Number four, the Israelic covenant, Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, and chapter 21, verse 1 to 23. Number five, the Davidic covenant. Number six, the new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, Matthew 26, 28, Mark 14, 24, Luke 20, 22, 1 Corinthians 11, 25, 2 Corinthians 3, 6, Hebrews 8, 13, and Hebrews 9, 15, and number seven, the everlasting covenant, Hebrews 13, 20, Isaiah 55, 3 to 5, Isaiah 61, 8 to 9, Jeremiah 32, 40 to 41, Ezekiel 16, 60, and Ezekiel 37, 26. Amen. Now, God makes covenants with humankind because he loves us and wants to be in an intimate relationship with us. It's as simple as that. Amen. And can you praise the Lord for it? Praise the Lord for it. He's done it because he loves you and wants to know you and wants you to know him intimately. Amen. All right, next week we're going to look at blood covenant, which is how the new everlasting covenant has been sealed, ratified, or activated in the natural through the blood of Christ.